0: Hi, Pastor Bob here, welcome again to Student of the Word. For the next two days, we're gonna be taking up the subject of things to think on. We're told in the Word of God, think on these things. We're gonna talk about exactly what we should think on. We don't mature in our spirit. We're perfect in our spirit. We mature in our thinking. Let's go to the Word of God together.
1: For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and something to take notes with and study the Word of God with Pastor Bob Yandian.
0: Hello, welcome again to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandian. Great to have you here today with us. You know, the real key to Christian growth is not down here in the spirit. In fact, your spirit is perfect from the moment that you get born again. God recreates it into his very image. Real Christian growth takes place up here. What you think on, what you meditate on, uh, what enters into your mind, what hangs in what you hang on to. And really what God is wanting you to do is stop and think about this. What have I been thinking about all day? What's my mind been on? You usually find out it's nothing. It's just trash or else it is just stupid stuff. It's just things that you've got to do, places you've got to go. When God said, look how much time you have. How much time does it take to drive to the office? How much time to go pick up your kids at school? You could be thinking on the things of God. And believe me, that's where the key to Christian growth comes from, is learning to think about the Word of God, meditate on the Word of God. And that's why I teach on these subjects every day. The Word of God is the most important thing. And thinking on these things is so important. This is what God has asked us to do, to think on the things of God. I this particular lesson, Think to Think, Things to think on, and it might take a couple of days to get through, but that's all right. I just want to arm you with enough ammunition to think about to where it'll change your thoughts about your daily life. Right now we're living in the end times. I think you have to be stupid not to understand that because I mean, even if you're just a nominal Christian, you only heard a little bit about end times, the kind of things are gonna be happening, you can see it taking shape already. And already there are Christians in fear everywhere. When Jesus told us two things, he told us not to be deceived and told us not to be discouraged two things. This is in Matthew chapter 24, where he said, when you see these things become coming to pass around you, don't be deceived and don't be discouraged. Both of them take place up here. You can control yourself from being deceived and control yourself from being discouraged. The first thing about deception is it takes you away from the word of God. Satan has to take you away from God's promises to cause deception to come into your life. Once you grab hold of that and you're no longer deceived, then discouragement will just go out the window. When you understand what God has to say, you can stare all these things in the face and do exactly what Romans chapter eight tells you. What shall we then say to these things? What things? Famine, pestilence, earthquakes, uh, wars, all the things it talks about there in Romans chapter eight, says what do we then say to these things? You can speak to circumstances, the circumstances in your life. What do you quote at them? You quote at them, if God be for me, cannot be against me. Satan tries to show you what's going on and get you discouraged and get you to give up. Because if he has you there, you're useless. You won't witness, you won't talk to people, you won't go to church, you'll just sit at home, close the blinds, and just wish for the best to eventually come along. When you know what God has to say, you know where this whole thing's gonna end. And yes, I admit the word of God tells us that between now and the time that Jesus comes back for us, things are gonna get worse. But all those things are supposed to show us that God has warned us ahead of time what's gonna come. And then we are filled with faith about what comes on. In the days to come, I can simply tell you it's going to get worse and worse, and that's why I'm offering my book on end times, understanding the end times. I've offered it so many times, but it's just honestly, I look around me, I read these other things that are on my computer, and what it really comes back to is this, Christians do not know what the Word of God says. They're living off what people say, they're reading the other things on the internet, and they are just getting discouraged every single day when the Word of God is designed for encouragement. If Jesus said, don't be discouraged, you don't have to be discouraged. If Jesus said, you don't have to be deceived, then you don't have to be deceived. But where does it come back to? What are you thinking on? Think on these things. Think on these things as mentioned throughout the Word of God Old Testament, New Testament, mind these things, continually bring them into your, in the forethought of your mind. This is what brings you again back to stability. And by doing that, then you can stare these things in the face and simply say, war's going on here, things happening there, they're trying to wipe out the nation of Israel. It will never happen. God said they'll always be here. If you know what God says, then you know the worst things that are coming along will not wipe out Israel. God's protection is over them. Comes back to other things. If you walk in the things of God, yeah, there'll be persecution come. But God says, I'll take care of you. I will be with you in the midst of persecution. And this is again, what he was bringing out in Matthew chapter 24. So coming back to that, we simply want to point out to you that what you think on is so important. Isaiah chapter 28 tells us with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people to whom he said, this is the rest where you may cause the weary to rest and this is the refreshing. How do we bring refreshing and rest to our mind while we are seeing all these terrible things happen around us? He said there with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people? And it comes back to it that really what, what speaking in tongues is for first of all and why it was first of all given and first of all mentioned in Isaiah 28 is simply this, that when we understand speaking in tongues is a way that God can speak to us and show us things and reveal things to us. Well, listen, when you run into trouble around you, while you're in your car, why don't you just pray in the Spirit? If you're not Spirit-filled but you are born again, it's a simple gift. And uh, they, in the New Testament, especially in Acts chapter 8, and Acts chapter 19, they prayed for them that they would receive the Holy Spirit once they found out they were saved. Once you are saved, then this gift of the Holy Spirit can come and praying with tongues is not for you to preach with. It's not for you to go and talk to other people in tongues. That's not what it's for. The main purpose why God gave it in the first place was so he could communicate to you with stammering lips and another tongue. Will he speak to this people to whom he said, this is the rest where you, you may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing. Went on to say sadly, but they did not hear. And he was pointing to a day when this gift would be given. And I'm simply telling you, if you have the Holy Spirit in you, after you're born again, and he is truly in you and you begin, and you know how to speak with tongues, you just start speaking with tongues, then you do that and you don't have to understand what you're saying, God understands what you're saying, but the main point of it is that he can now begin to communicate rest, refreshing the things of God that he has for you in the midst of what's going on in the world around you. Next of all, the most important thing after that is to think on the promises of God. Meditate on them. Turn to Philippians chapter four. This is the verse we're going to be taking today. Thanks for watching if you're watching for the first time. Thanks for watching. If you're watching the 10th time and especially thank you for watching if this is something you've been doing on a year by year basis. I've been on, on television now for 10 years and I'm simply telling you thank you for watching. Thank you for being a part of this. And if you're not a part of this, as far as you know, not just only watching, but being a partner with me, I would invite you to be a partner with me. I love it when people stand with me. And the first thing they say is I identify with your teaching. My heart just understands what you're saying. I feel a connection there. That's the ones I really want to be be partners with me. So anyway, you can go to my website, bobbyandian.com. You'll find a place there where you can become a partner with me. Philippians chapter four, let's take a look at verse eight. And here, Paul says to the Philippians, as the closing of this book is coming now, finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think on these things. Thinking is a choice and which things you meditate and think on is also a choice. And often we think about what we heard on the news this morning, what we heard on the news last night, what somebody told us is going on in our city, how bad things are getting. And we used to think this was a wonderful, nice city, and now it doesn't look that way anymore. And these are the things we think on, and we start getting agitated when Jesus told us, don't become upset with what's going on in the world. How do we do that? We thought, think on things that are honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, and the things that are worthy of praise. He says, think on these things. In fact, the Greek here means to meditate on these things. It's one thing to have a passing thought grow through your head. It's another thing to stop and meditate on something. In fact, even a scripture or a portion of a scripture. I can't tell you how often I've heard my pastor speak on a sermon and I'll get in the car and I'm thinking about that, wake up the next day, I'm still thinking about that. I'll think on it as I go and the Lord will begin to show me more things out of that verse. I think, I never saw that. I go back and read the verse, look at it, think on it, and this is where real revelation comes from. Revelation comes from the Holy Spirit who lives inside of you, but there's ways to cause him to reveal things to you, and that comes back to what you're thinking on. And if you're praying in tongues, it helps you to pull your thoughts back onto the things of God, and again, as I'm saying here in this verse of scripture, he says, think or meditate on these things. There's a number of things he said here, and I want to take them up just one by one. The first thing that he said was to think on whatever things are true, whatever things are true. This Greek word is genuine. It means righteousness or honesty. Think on things that are genuine. Think on things that are righteous. Think on things that are honest and the truth we should fill our mind with is the word of God. Your word is truth. John chapter 17 and verse 17. Thinking on God's word opens your heart to revelation from the Holy Spirit. And I mean more than just a passing thought. You think about it. It may be a passage of scripture. It may be a portion of a passage of scripture. It may be one word that you remember out of a sermon or reading a book that just seems to stand out in there and the Holy Spirit is emphasizing it. Think on that, think on that, think on that, meditate on it, pray in the spirit, and guess what's gonna happen? All of a sudden, you'll see things out of there that you've never seen before. Why? Because that's the Word of God. The Word of God is like a diamond. Every promise is, and no matter which direction you look at, it looks like a different facet every time. It's the same word but you saw a different insight into it, because God's taken that verse and not only preaching it to the nations and preaching it to a congregation, preaching it to a Sunday school class or to a home fellowship group, he's actually bringing it out and saying, this is for you personally. And I can't tell you how many times God has shown me something personal out of a verse of scripture. I get excited, mention it to somebody else, they go, oh, okay, it doesn't mean that much to them. Maybe another word in there does, But that's how individual each promise can be, and each individual word in the promise can be. Again, John 17, 17, Jesus said, your word is truth. Thinking on God's word opens your heart to revelation from the Holy Spirit. This is what it means in the first Psalm. He talks about meditating on the word of God day and night. When you meditate and get revelation from the Holy Spirit, that gives God's word life in your heart, in your mind, and then in your day. life. Miracles come to the one who receives revelation from the Word of God and then creation from God's Word. When you understand something and something hits and revelation comes from it, now that word can become creative in your life. Now it can recreate the circumstances around you. It can take the world's creation around you of circumstances, then Satan's perversion of it, and actually straighten it out, and you can see the truth behind it. This is what God's word is for. The world the world today hates God, hates his word, is coming against God, but still comes back to it. Read the end of the book. They'll be gone, and God will still be here. And since I'm on his side and you're on his side, you'll still be here too start to meditate on what God has promised is coming in the future, meditate on a promise of God, and he'll make it personal to you. And that's when you can stand up and say, as Romans chapter eight says again, speaking to things, say to these things, if God be for me, you cannot be against me. So there's your word for this morning. When we come back from the break, we'll get into the next word, which is honest. Whatever things are true, whatever things are honest, think on these things. I'll see you right after the break.
1: Understanding the end times, one of the most incredible and fascinating doctrines in the Word of God, will bring us comfort for the days in which we live. The Bible says we are to encourage and exhort one another with the knowledge of Jesus returning for His saints. In Understanding the End Times, Pastor Bob Yanion provides a thorough and exciting study to give you more revelation of these times in which we live. Topics include the seven dispensations. The Dispensation of the Mystery, The Rapture of the Church, The Judgment Seat of Christ, Daniel's Seventy Weeks, The Temple Discourse, The Tribulation, The Second Coming, The Millennial Reign of the Lord Jesus Christ. To order Understanding the End Times, visit bobyandian.com.
0: Hi, Pastor Bob here. It's time for my annual minister's conference. It's gonna be March the 7th through the 9th in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I'll be speaking, Joseph Z will be joining me as well as Orlando Juarez teaching on praise and worship. I look forward to it every year. It's been a life-changing event for me and for the ministers who attend. And I believe in, in the year 2024, we're going to see a special move of God like never before. So I look forward to seeing as many of you as possible that are involved in any section of ministry at all. Thanks, have a
1: great day. at bobyandian.com and click on partnership.
0: I hope you get your copy of that book on understanding the end times. I've had it out for many years, but you know why it's been out for many years? Because I didn't write when Jesus was coming back, the date, the time or anything like that. I didn't get into silly predictions. No, I simply stuck with the word of God. And my gift is taking complicated things and making them simple. That's because I'm a simple minded person. I like to make it as simple as possible. Jesus thought that way. How many times was Jesus talking to a crowd and suddenly thought, oh goodness, I'm over their head. Their heads, their eyes are back in their head, and so he would say, it's kind of like throwing leaven into a loaf of bread, and the women would go, I understand that. And then he'd say, well, I'm, it's like throwing a net into the ocean, all the fishermen would say, I understand that. He says, it's like putting seed into the ground, and all the farmers would say, I understand that. Jesus brought it down where simple-minded people could understand it, and the Bible is written that way. I took Greek a number of years ago, and it's written in Koine Greek. The Bible's written in Koine Greek, and the Greek word Koine means common. It's in the common language, and uh, The the instructor told us that the Koine Greek of the New Testament is probably written on a third or fourth grade level, very much comparable to our newspapers today, and said that uh, the ones that existed before that, Attic Greek and and other Greek that they had, and Homeric Greek, was written on a higher level, more the, the aristocracy spoke that language, but the people spoke a different language, and so they made it into a language for the streets again, like I said, and this is the one that the Bible was written in so that anybody could understand it. The Sermon on the Mount, anybody can understand it, Jesus' other messages, the sermon that he had, they can understand it because he put it in everyday language. And so this is what this book is, on understanding the end times, it is written in everyday language, and I took all the, the things that aren't in line with the Word of God and showed why they aren't in line with the Word of God, but then put it together like a puzzle, and when you reach, you go, oh, I understand that, I, oh, I see now, and it simply puts it back together. That The fundamentalists who have taught it for years are right. There's coming a rapture of the church, and Jesus is coming back. In fact, we're told in Thessalonians that Antichrist can't even reveal himself till the church is gone, and the church is going to be gone one day, and then a greater revival than even was here during the church is going to break out during the tribulation. So, I'm not going to teach on end times. I'm just simply saying, if that's what's ahead for you, then you can look up because your redemption draws nigh. You do not have to be concerned or worried or falling apart at everything that happens and constantly watching the news and see what's going on. Go to the Word of God, and you'll see what's going to go on. You'll find out where we're headed. To and you'll simply say, then let all this stuff happen. All I can say is God's coming back and I'm gonna do my job of witnessing to people. Do we still pray for our nation? Absolutely. Do we still get involved? Of course we do, but we understand something. My nation isn't gonna bring this world out of this trouble. It's going to take my savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, coming back to do that. And so that's where your full assurance comes from. Now we're talking about thinking on the things of God. Let it control your mind, let it control your thoughts. Uh, Chapter 12 of the book of Romans deals with this where it tells us that we are to have that mind of Christ inside of us. They were to be thinking on the things of God and that uh, the real growth of the Christian life comes by the renewing of our mind. And so bringing our thoughts into captivity is a key thing in the Christian life and a great sign of maturity when you can grab your thoughts because your thoughts control you. The verse we're using is Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. Finally, brethren, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think on these things." The word we took up just before the break was the word true, it's the Greek word aletheos. Uh, I remember when our teacher taught us, she said, this is where we get some names from, and and the uh, name Aletha came from that. My first thought was I haven't heard of an Aletha since I was, you know, five or six years old. And here I am now in my 70s. So again, I know I don't look like it, but anyway, I am. But the word true comes from aletheos. And this word again, it's the Greek word for genuine, righteous, or honest. Think on things that are genuine. Genuinely comes from God. Righteous, don't think like the world thinks. I mean, you got to look at what the world has, but you don't think like they do. You see you them, first, your first thought is, that's not right, that's not scriptural. I'm not going to think on those things. Now, you can't stop them from flashing up in front of you because the world is always out there, but you can keep it from controlling your thoughts. Grab your thoughts and bring them back to you. That's why it says, whatever things are true, think on these things. This is a command. He's commanding you to think right. So if he's commanding you to think right, then thinking right must be a decision. Isn't that interesting? So the Greek word again means to be genuine, righteous, or honest. The truth we should fill our minds with is the word of God, because Jesus said in John 17:17, your word is truth, speaking to the Father. Thinking on God's word opens your heart to revelation from the Holy Spirit, which God's word brings life into your heart, into your mind, and then into your daily thoughts, and then into your daily life. Miracles come to the one who receives revelation from the word of God, and then creation comes from God's word, when Jesus spoke and creation the worlds around us, then our thoughts connected to our words can begin to change situations around us. The second word he brought up is the word honest, and this word comes from nos. It's the Greek word to be honorable or to be reverent. Whatever things are honorable, whatever things are reverent, what does that mean? To take the things going on around us in the world and instead of looking at them in horror and in fear, begin to look at that and say, God's going to have that in control. He promised he would, he always keeps his word. He's never, ever failed to keep his word, and instead of falling back on what CBS says or NBC or any other network and their news, I'm going to fall back on the news of God's word because God's word not only speaks for today, it's already spoken into the future. And I can look down the road 10 years, 20 years, 50 years, a thousand years. I can look down the road and understand God has this thing all under control. Even though it looks like it's out of control right now, God says, no, it's going to go so far and I'm going to put my foot down. I'm going to stop it at that time. In the meantime, I'm giving you permission to keep thinking on my word, to keep using my word, and to keep building up faith in it. So, again, this word appears three other times in the New Testament, and it's translated each time as reverent, and honestly. And so it's used as a foundation and a reverence for God. When we use the word fear of God, that's not talking about being, you know, just shaking in fear because God could stomp on you at any time. No, the fear there speaks of reverence. And when it talks about the fear of the Lord, it means the reverence of the Lord. Understand there's just one God. There's three members of the Godhead. All of them fall under the category of God, but he's the one that's in control of your life. And you have to let him control your life. He wants to control your life. This is where we give him permission. When we start to look at things and say, I'm gonna start thinking of things honorable. I'm gonna start thinking of them as reverent and not just fear of being caught telling a lie. No, it's the love of honesty and the love of truth. I'll stick with the truth no matter what comes along. It'd be easier to lie and get out of this situation, but. a walk in honesty in front of it and that's what this word means it is an honesty which comes from a desire not to hurt the heart of God or a motivation from a deep love for God. And then next of all, you don't want to hurt people. You're here to get them saved. And if they knew you were lying whenever you said that, how could you possibly witness to them? Because your witness is not just what you say and not just what you think, it's how you act in front of other people. The next word that comes along is the word just. And this is the word dikaios, and this is the word with which we get righteousness from. The word deacon comes from this word also, but dikaios, is a Greek word associated with righteousness. An issue or thought is either just or it is not. It is either righteous or it is not. Justice considers dealing with an issue by weighing all the evidence objectively, then making the right decision based on law in this natural world or the Word of God in the spiritual world. God is righteous and God is just. Our example of dealing justly with people, or here, our thoughts, is a godly manner in line with God's Word and the leading of the Holy Spirit. A righteous or holy thought is thinking on an issue as God thinks on that issue, or as we can perceive God thinking on this issue. We start to fall apart when we hear what's going on in the world. Is God falling apart? Is he in heaven wringing his hands? he does he turned to Jesus and said, I don't know what to do on this. You Got any ideas?" And Jesus said, don't look at me, let's ask the Holy Spirit. God has never been taken by surprise. God has never been without an answer. No matter how difficult the situation is, God knows the right where to go. And guess what? You are hooked up to him. A righteous or holy thought is thinking on an issue as God would. Since we're just people, Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 23, we should think as such. The next word we come to is the word pure. And this is the word agnos. And the Greek word is pure in association with the word of God for holy. It's a holiness. Think on holy thoughts. It doesn't have to be something so far out there that only angels can understand it. A holy thought just lines up with God's morality with God's correctness and God's proper use of a word. So by looking at the situations in the pureness of God, think about it through the pureness of the Holy Spirit and the pureness of the Word of God because the Word of God is pure. A better word for pure would be sacred, The purity of our thoughts come from the source of the sacredness of God. This world is filled with things sordid and filthy. Our thoughts should not be from the source of the world. Our thoughts should come from the source of the Word of God and fellowship with other spiritual believers. Our thoughts should be guarded by God's Word. This is 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 4, but also comes from God's Word. So, guarded by God's Word, we are kept by God's Word. The Word of God is the first thing in our mind and so God's thoughts become our thoughts and his thoughts becoming our thoughts build a guard around us. This can only come from a mind which meditates on the promises of God. If the main thoughts of our mind are on God's word and his goodness, there will be no battlefield in our thought life. God's word will bring victory and establish permanent victory in our life. We'll look at the situations of life and understand this. God has promised it. It has to come to pass. I'm on a path toward the end times. I'm on a path toward going to heaven. I'm on a path toward the, the resurrection and rapture of the church. If that's what the Lord has planned for me, then guess what's going to happen? So nothing. But between now and then is going to derail me. Nothing between now and then is going to discourage me. I'm not going to give up throwing the towel because I'm not understanding what's going on. If I at least know where I'm going and what's going to come to the end of this thing, then I will be all right. The next word is the Greek word lovely. This is the word prosphiles. This word is, t- is a word developed around the word love and philos is part of this word. The Greek word is toward love attractiveness, admirableness, friendliness, or likability. It is the opposite of anything that takes you away from love. It's a kindness, a friendly love, not just a love to where I love them as I love them in the Lord, My actions back it up. Our thoughts should not only be of love toward God and men, but also friendly thoughts and actions toward others. Seeing the best in people, waiting for the best for them. This is the opposite of being ugly in thoughts and in action toward other people. There's many Christians who are controlled by their flesh, and all they do is react to people around them. And what they're mad at is you don't act like me. Well, welcome to the world. No two people act alike. But the point of it is, is look and try to figure out what the motive and objective of their heart is. If you can't find it, then tell them what the motive and objective of your life is. Begin to show them there's a life in Jesus Christ. There's a walking with him, and all these things are wonderful. When we come back tomorrow, we're gonna continue right here from where we left off. We're gonna talk about the word commendable. And this is the word for a good report. God wants you to have a good report toward other people. What's the good report? It's the word of God. Whenever all hell's breaking loose in their life and we can bring one scripture that calms them down, that's the power of our thoughts being captured by the Word of God, our thoughts being in line with the Word of God. And that's what we'll get into tomorrow. Don't forget the book. We'll announce it again tomorrow. We'll talk about it. In the meantime, have a great day. I'll see you next
1: time. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts by visiting our website at bobyandian.com.